0: Mommy Track, Daddy Whispers podcast is now called Birth Agni Podcast. Welcome to Mommy Track, Daddy Whispers podcast, season 3. If there's a huge
1: amount of randomised controlled trials or other literature showing that a certain intervention is bad, I didn't want that to be done to me. Yeah, so I founded Asrika after I graduated from Harvard. I'm a public policy practitioner by training. I have a PhD in public policy. And um, all my experiences during pregnancy and questing for bad care, that that immersion really made me realise how abysmal is the standard of maternity care in India. And I mean, I think I was aware that it's often bad for people who don't have access to good care in lower socioeconomic segments of society. But it took me my own pregnancy to realize just how bad it was across the spectrum.
0: On countless occasions, we have spoken about physiological birth, evidence-based birth, and respectful birthing, where the woman is heard, the birthing person is heard. Evidence-based care increases your chances of healing faster and has minimal side effects. Today, I'm sitting with Dr. Janavi Nilekani, founder and chairperson of Astrika Foundation, which is a Nilekani Philanthropies initiative aiming to transform birthing into respectful and positive experiences throughout the country. Dr. Janavi Nilekani is a developmental economist who calls herself an accidental health entrepreneur and we will soon dive into her story and what led to this monumentary effort in the maternal healthcare discipline. I am Divya, your host, a lactation and birth educator, and I'm gonna not keep you waiting any further. Welcome Dr. Janvi, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and helping us understand what positive birthing is and really Making it available to the masses through your foundation, Astrika. Thank you so much for doing it and being with us today for this conversation. Thank you,
1: Livia. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me onto this podcast.
0: Thank you. So, Dr. Janvi, we want to go back to 2016 and learn from you. When you were pregnant and looking for high quality um, maternal care, what was your experience like, really? I found my pregnancy experiences in India quite difficult. I was a PhD
1: student at Harvard at the time. I'm a, I'm a researcher, not, an ob- not a medical doctor. I was running a randomized controlled trial of more than 1500 bus drivers in South Karnataka. And um, just my focus, my interest, I was you know, into the evidence, into the science. And I, I just could not find any birthing place in Bangalore, which met what I was looking for. The first and foremost thing I was looking for was evidence-based care. Care that is based on science, research, facts, and, you know, clinical guidelines, clinical protocols. If there's a huge amount of randomized controlled trials or other literature showing that a certain intervention is bad, I didn't want that to be done to me. But what I realized was happening in Bangalore hospitals is that non-evidence-based care, just out of routine Practices which haven't been changed to up, you know, with the time was actually the norm. And it was very hard to find a place that was really considering the science of how best people can birth.
0: And what did you feel at that point in time when you weren't able to really find all of this? What, what was the emotions like?
1: No, I was it was very stressful. I think I had a very anxious and stressful pregnancy. Uh, I had the option of giving birth in Cambridge, in Boston. uh uh-huh. I mean, I had health insurance and everything, but um, I, I really wasn't very keen on that either because it was December, the sun sets at four o'clock, there's very little support, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, for various reasons, I want to give birth in Bangalore. And I was living in Bangalore at the time. I had moved here with my husband, though I was still doing my PhD. I was sort of toggling because my field work was based out of Karnataka, but I, I was still visiting every semester to meet my professors. And... Um, Yes, yeah, so I, I did find it very different.
0: Mm-hmm. So when is it that you realized that I want to go to Sanctum? How did you find Sanctum? And how did you trust them right at the start to travel to Hyderabad and then? Ah No, no, I'm very picky. I did
1: not trust them right at the start. My selection process was extremely long. Uh-huh. I, um, in the first trimester itself, very early, I realized that I, I wanted something particularly. So by this time, I had already identified what I felt was the best doctor in Bangalore at the time. So I made a spreadsheet comparing four options. I went and interviewed wow. in, in my first trimester. I also went and interviewed Damid Randar's place in Bombay because I have a lot of family in Bombay. It would have been easier for me to go to Bombay than to go to Hyderabad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, around 13, 14 weeks, whenever that you know, fear of miscarriage dropped, I made a spreadsheet. Comparing four options, one was Bangalore, one was if I wanted to go to Boston because I could have done that as well, right? I I could easily have stayed in Boston, I considered Sanctum and I considered um, this place in Bombay and um, at the end of that spreadsheet exercise, I actually decided to stay in Bangalore because though if you look at the clinical care, of course Sanctum was definitely superior, in fact, Boston was also far superior. Of course, we have to consider many factors. For personal and family reasons, it was much easier to be where I was already living in Bangalore than to move somewhere. So, I did take a decision to stay in Bangalore. And I was really trying to make it work with the system in Bangalore. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I sort of really thought through my birth plan, what I wanted and kept in. This was in the second trimester. I, I started preparing my birth plan very early because I wanted to have time to both discuss it with my doctor and leave the doctor if I was unhappy with what she said see I find Um, I I don't agree with the general practice of writing down birth plans at 36 weeks and so forth or mm -hmm. become or starting Lamas classes at 28 weeks and so on that is fine if you know you're not planning to do anything with what you've learned but if you actually learn and become informed and then then you feel very awkward changing at the last moment mothers are uncomfortable fathers are uncomfortable their mother their mother-in-laws everyone gets uneasy for a last minute switch so, I personally really advocate doing childbirth education very early um, I did a lot of it um, and so, so, so around the whole second trimester, not whole, maybe fourth and fifth month I was intending to give birth in Bangalore, and I was engaged in negotiating with my doctor right mm-hmm. so I think the last discussion I had with her I actually took my parents and my husband with me as well it was like a whole group of people and I was trying to convince her to allow upright positioning during birth um, arguing about the evidence around it and wow. to not do a routine episiotomy so in a very naive fashion you know I took all my guidelines uh, what the WHO says, what the Royal College of Obsteticians in the UK says, what the American College of Obstetricians says what the Federation of FIGO, the International Association says and everyone says don't do routine episiotomy so I took all of that to my doctor and she said, but all this research is done on white women and you are an Indian. Oh my God. And this really stumped me because I was a PhD student at the time and this is what the kind of stuff my dissertation chair would have said to me. Like we are trained to sort of plan around these issues of external validity and so on. So this really trapped me. So I spent the next two weeks searching for episiotomy studies among South Asian women. Uh-huh. So I found multiple among Pakistani women and I found a, a research on Maharashtrian women and I'm a Maharashtrian on upright position uh-huh. and I was very ready to go and take all that back to my doctor and say now what is your argument this is she's these people are also brown women wow but but, <laughs> but by that time um my cousin sister gave birth with the same doctor and I realized that they were still doing shaving and enemas and their husbands were like you know sometimes not always allowed in the labor. So this really shocked me because um, shaving and enemas are so obsolete and so against evidence-based practice that it had not crossed my mind that anybody in India was still doing it. Because I was mostly living in the U.S. till that point. I had just moved to India. It was very Western, perhaps, in my mindset. I, I read about um, international protocols and guidelines and research and Cochrane reviews. Again, I was a researcher, so it was easy for me to go read the research. That's what felt comfortable to me. So it never crossed my mind that this was still happening among in Bangalore. So I, that was when I said, I am not going to birth in Bangalore. I was like, this is, this is too much. If you're still doing shaving and enemas, no amount of arguments about whether the research is done in Maharashtra or Europe is going to make a difference to you. You don't actually care about evidence-based practice. So then I, that's when I decided to go to Sanctum. I reached out to them again. We went and visited them and we made the decision planned a service apartment and moved there
0: when I was 36 weeks. Wow! Oh, we didn't know
1: anyone in Hyderabad. Though. Everyone uh, thought I was
0: crazy. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, anybody who knows how birth happens at Sanctum would uh, want to go to Sanctum if the, that kind of a care is not available. And unfortunately, it is not available. So um, if my friend gave birth at Sanctum. And I'm so happy and so glad about it. No episiotomy, no interventions. She was not touched during labor. Everything went smooth, just just how it should be. Uh, with care, with support, people around who are um, really build your morale uh, and create that kind of an environment. So, um, um, And I often joke and tell her that probably if I don't that get that kind of a care in Delhi, I am going to go to Hyderabad if I ever plan a second uh, child. So uh, totally. So just to ex, you know, bring it um, uh, to to the to the audience to the listeners here. How was your experience at Sanctum? Was the birth experience the birth story?
1: Oh, I had the most amazing birth experience at Sanctum. It remained the best day of my life, and it was an unmedicated childbirth. So all that pain does not compare to the exhilaration of um, you know it was beautiful in every Um, way which and form and once again I must thank Vijaya and the whole team there she knows but still I can do it again Um, what did you want to know like why it was so amazing
0: yes why it was so amazing and for for, you know uh, mothers (laughs) like we were talking right before this conversation how do we bring that awareness that what is happening to you is not the norm probably something else can be so much better. So what is that something else that, you know, birth workers are so passionate about? Okay, it was amazing because
1: I was felt supported and safe.
0: Mm -hmm. I knew
1: that I I was I'm not the type of person who could ever have gone for a home birth or anything like that. I needed to be in a hospital. I needed to know that if a C section was needed, it was available, which is true at Sanctum and as well as our centre at Asika. I needed that safety of knowing emergency was there, facilities existed, but I also needed the safety of knowing that the providers would not do anything to me without my consent. Yes, informed consent is was very very critical to me. In fact, I actually perceived everything around birth as a women's empowerment issue. That in India, people don't recognize that women ought, need to have some, I mean, women autonomy over their own bodies and the ultimate decision for whatever happens to the body has to be with them. Yes So I I was completely sure that nothing I didn't want to happen would happen to me at Sanctum And that gave me tremendous sense of safety and security Um, There was support, extensive labor support I had my husband was with me, I had hired a doula as well Um, And uh, you know, doulas for the audience, they are probably familiar but are people who are professionals who are trained to support women through birth And of course Vijaya was there um, then um, uh, my child was born a week past the day, 41 weeks. I had trust in Vijaya and um, I was also an extremely well-informed mother. Vijaya Krishnan says I really put her through the sieve of informed consent and evidence-based medicine. Well, so, uh, it, was very, it, was, it was fairly easy to decide what steps to take due to any minor complications, whatever. And I had a yeah. unmedicated spontaneous vaginal delivery. The thing which made me happiest was I had an intact perineum, no telling. And I was so thrilled by this because I had fought with so many obstetricians in Bangalore. All of them were like, Indian women will tear. This research is on white people. You know, among Indians, episiotomy is necessary. Otherwise, you will tear. And I was, I've still never gone back to see nothing like that happen. I did not tear. I didn't tear partly because I went out of my way to ensure that every evidence-based beneficial thing was done to prevent tearing. And every harmful thing was not done. So no episiotomies or things which cause harm. But all the things which research shows to have benefit, like perineal massage, kegels, perineum relaxation exercises, warm compression, hands-on perineum support, all of that I requested and got. And I had a totally intact perineum. I was very, very happy with that. That was the real joy. So yes, you know, breastfeeding. I nursed him till he was three. In fact, we had a very, very positive Uh breastfeeding relationship. Um... Yeah, I can't say enough
0: good things about sanctity. Yeah. And um, to, to see through all of this, there is a woman who stood up for herself and her rights throughout, you know, Bangalore. And uh, how important it is to be informed. And Indian patients' rights, there's a guideline that says the Indian patients have the right to informed consent, informed refusal. It's a part of the practice and. It's not practice, really. Um, so how important education is uh, to birthing in a positive way? Definitely. I think if you are empowered and you know what you want and you know your rights, then even in
1: the existing hospitals in India, you can have a much better experience just by being empowered. Even if you're not able to change your hospital or your doctor by standing up for yourself,
0: it is possible, but it is difficult. It's difficult to push back against your family and everybody else. And that is, you know, something that I also wanted to speak to you about how important asking questions is because that is what gets you to the right care. But then at the end of the day, there's an entire ecosystem that trusts the routine and the safety of routine and comfort and, um, uh, you know, that kind of a demand is not there. No matter how much you just speak about it, there there has to be more stories of positive birthing out there that it becomes normalized as against what is normalized now. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Janvi, how important is asking those questions? No,
1: absolutely critical. I mean, you know, women have to advocate for themselves, become informed. Um, and while having choices in birth options is a big part of that, because if a woman has an exit option to another facility, she feels far more empowered to question the doctor.
0: Yes. So, and, and Astraka, you, you founded Astraka after your birth experience and the good experience that you had at uh, Sanctum. Uh, so uh, what, what is the vision that Astrika has for changing this entire system when we say, you know, the system is present and it's the, what is normalized is probably um, not particularly great for women. So when it comes to bringing that change at scale, it, uh, how is Astrika visioning, uh, uh, you know, that, that change? Yeah, so I founded Asrika after I graduated
1: from Harvard. I'm a public policy practitioner by training. I have a PhD in public policy. And um, all my experiences during pregnancy and questing for bad care, that, that immersion really made me realize how abysmal is the standard of maternity care in India. And I mean, I think I was aware that it's often bad for people who don't have access to good care in lower socioeconomic segments of society. But it took me my own pregnancy to realize just how bad it was across the spectrum. You know, yes. that urban private healthcare is also very bad in a different direction. Oh, that led me to first in 2019. So I had my son in late of 2016 and then I graduated in 2018. And in 2019, I founded Astika Foundation first. We now also have Astika Midwifery Center, which is a private entity. I'll come to it. So Astika Foundation is now three years old. It's an NGO. And we, for, we have a mission of ensuring all mothers in India have access to high quality, respectful maternity care, which is timely and apt. So essentially, India has a public health challenge of having maternity care, which is at two extremes. This is known in the public health literature as either too little, too late or too much, too soon. So on the one hand, too little, too late is... Certainly in many parts of Bihar and so forth and many places where women don't have access to care even when it's needed. C-section rates are too low, infant and maternal mortality rates are too high, you know, evidence-based care is low but also drugs shortages, staffing shortages, there's a lack of resources in short. Yeah. Right? Right. But the other extreme is what is known as too much too soon, which is what we see in urban India, in the private sector and very much all across South India at this point and many other states as well, as Bengal, Jammu and Kashmir. Telangana being the worst example of this, where Telangana has a statewide C-section rate of 62%, which is actually extremely high. The public hospital C-sections are only about 3.5%, which is actually too low. Yeah, that balance is not there. True. So, what Astika Foundation does is really try to do health system strengthening so that more women in India have access to the right treatment at the right time. That's one of our slogans, not too much too soon, not too little too late, the right treatment at the right time. So, we essentially and primarily invest in strengthening the skills of nurses across the country and especially in the public health system. So, we have two major initiatives. One is Astika Steer. It's a digital learning platform free to use by nurses and other healthcare practitioners for healthcare personnel to upskill themselves. So we act as the technology partner and the host and we work with a range of public health NGOs such as um, UNFPA or uh, Fernandez Foundation or uh, Maternity Foundation, Indian Nursing Council uses it to train their nurses. Uh, there, There are quite a few courses for nurses already and more are coming all the time. So this is really designed for um, to strengthen the healthcare system, especially to address the too little, too late problem where many women don't have enough access to decent healthcare. Our other major initiative at Astika Foundation is to support the establishment of a cadre of professional midwives in India. So, this is in alliance with the um, Government of India and many other stakeholders, the Karnataka state governments and others, where we are really working with a lot of partners to to train what India is calling NPMs, nurse practitioners in midwifery, who will be nurses, who are fully qualified, who will then have an additional 18 months of specialized training in midwifery. Love it. Last year in 2021, as a follow-on, we also then started Astrika Midwifery Centre as a separate private sector entity which works in the urban private healthcare space. Astrika Midwifery Centre is is a a birth centre, much like Sanctum or anywhere else. It is at Vasavi Hospital in South Bangalore in collaboration with Vasavi Hospital. So we have six, seven beds inside Vasavi. We work with them for everything. So the OT and so on are from them. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. To, to yeah. The department yeah. in Vasavi and we're very grateful to them. We basically at Astaka midwifery Centre, we practice both professional midwifery care as well as comprehensive obstetric care. We have an interdisciplinary team of doctors, midwives, nurses, pediatrician and so on. And um, we, we really strive that our clients have a positive working experience. Um, while we promote normal or physiologic labor, our focus is on ensuring the mother feels respected, that she feels heard, that she feels a sense of autonomy and women's empowerment. So it is really from the perspective of ethical evidence based care, but also about empowered birthing. And we really focus on evidence based medicine. Right. Wherever the evidence supports intervention, like active management of the third stage or vaccines or so forth, we really promote them. Uh, But where the evidence does not back what people are doing, be it episiotomies or the extremely high rate of C-sections in urban India, um, you know, we try and avoid. So essentially, we really are trying to follow international protocols and clinical guidelines at Asuka Medi-Center at Vasavi Hospital.
0: Yeah, so uh, it's about a physiological birth and when a case needs it and when it's medically required, not really put it out of the window, uh, embrace that balance and uh, ensure the safety of the mother and baby dyad and kind of go from there and make sure that, you know, the woman is heard and she's not confused uh, coming out of the... Uh, hospital thinking that I don't know what happened there that I ended up in a c-sec what happened that I ended up in an assisted vaginal birth which was so painful Um, yeah I mean those are the questions that we often get Uh, so uh, first of all thank you so much uh, Dr. Janvi for bringing this up on that scale Uh, because in my short practice as a lactation professional I, I, I come across women second time mothers mostly and not the first time mothers because birth Uh, in in, in lactation, especially in the women, there is no support. Then we come down and say, I should have known this. I should have asked this. So uh, Astrika Foundation really brings in change in the system by training the health professionals, the first line of caregivers uh, to normalize what birth should look like for everybody irrespective of uh, where they come from and uh, the the second the midwifery unit to make it available that kind of care uh, to make it available again to bring those stories of change so that that demand like we were talking you know when everybody knows that that I deserve that kind of a birth and and that is possible Uh, so thank you so much for that and uh, before we wrap up um, I wanted to ask you what would you say to an expecting mother if you met her and uh, out of passion would want her to consider a more physiological birth? So, um,
1: I would say that for me, I trained as an economist, right? It was a cost-benefit analysis. It wasn't out of passion. It was a straightforward calculation. For a if you of pain now, but your recovery is better from tomorrow. Uh-huh. It was as simple <laughs> as that. You know, where I felt interventions and medications had minimum side effects. Like for example, was vomiting a lot in labor. I happily took an injection for anti nausea, no issues. Mm-hmm. But I knew that unfortunately, most of the medical pain reliefs or so on have so many side effects that I felt it wasn't worth it. So, um, the biggest benefit to me of a physiologic birth um, is that two, one is that you, you're physically in good state. So, you recover very quickly and becomes much, much easier to look after your child from the next day. You know, you can save that because looking at a newborn is very difficult very it, it's ideal to start off in good health you know yes yes it's, it's insanely difficult to look after a newborn and also that when you go with the physiologic birth honestly all the hormones of birth came to to protect you in some ways like as the as the natural pains go up the natural response of the body is steady When like for example when we augment with synthetic oxytocin that pain often ramps up faster than the ability to cope with it. Yes. Yes. Right. So, and the physiology of labor, the hormonal thing, the, the how it benefits immediate bonding, immediate breastfeeding. Um, you know, I would really suggest to every mom that she at least considers it. It is nowhere near as scary as people think. In fact, um, I had heard so many horror stories from, you know, cousins and so on birthing in India and all my US friends didn't really have horror stories. So I honestly thought it was more that my Indian friends were like my chandi dost and I was getting the truth from them. But then I had a very good birth at Sanctum and I realized, no, 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 my Indian friends just are having bad births. So, um, you know, good positive births are utterly possible. And I really encourage every mother to spend some time searching, researching, looking for options in her city and trying for a good, positive, joyous birth experience.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Janvi, for um, uh, bringing in those words of uh, wisdom, that advice to new mothers, because the impact of birth on postpartum is essential. It's huge. And thank you so much for uh, doing it with us, for uh, bringing in that information. And thank you so much for doing what you are doing with your foundation and the Midwifery Center. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dilya. Every woman deserves a respectful birthing journey. And we are grateful to Dr. Janavi for being a part of this small effort in bringing awareness, as well as the massive effort that her foundation is making in this area. If you are a regular listener here, consider giving us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify Podcasts. Next up, we will bring to you the much-awaited episode on the role of family and partner in the early postpartum phase on the seasonal episodes, we will have Megha Chaggi, a perinatal yoga trainer, who will speak about the significance of exercise during pregnancy. And remember, you got the bar. Stay tuned.